Uh, we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as we continue in our series reveal, uh, preparing the way for the resurrection on Easter Sunday. Uh, we're going to begin reading in verse 1, and, and I'll read on through verse 13 uh, of this chapter. If you could follow along with the words on the screen, uh, or you could uh, read from your Bibles, I invite you to do that with me as we together hear the word of the Lord. Paul writes, If I speak in the tongues of mortals or of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. For love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things endures all things love never ends but as for prophecies they will come to an end as for tongues they will cease as for knowledge it will come to an end for we know only in part and we prophesy only in part but when the complete comes the partial will come to an end when i was a child i spoke like a child i thought like a child i reasoned like a child when i became an adult i put an end to childish ways for now we see in a mirror dimly but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part. Then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. And the greatest of these is love. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing. So we give thanks to Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious God, we do come before you with praise and thanksgiving for... Uh, the truth that is contained in your holy word and the wisdom therein, Lord, we ask that you, would, uh, that, that you would be present in all that takes place in this time, Lord, that you would open our eyes, that we would see our ears, that we would hear. Open our minds that we would come to know and understand your word and your ultimate will. Open our hearts that we would feel its power. And by your grace, I ask, O oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a few years ago, some of you uh, might remember, uh, we were in between youth directors uh, in the life of Covenant. And, and so I, I had stepped forward uh, into that interim youth director role. I, I was pastor of the church and interim youth director. Now, as an interim youth director, uh, I, I thought, hey, the, you know, this is, this is going back to my roots. You know, I started off in ministry as a youth director. I was a youth director through college. I was a youth director in seminary, seven years of being a youth director, no sweat, no problem, whatever, right? Wrong. Um, I had gotten older and the youth had gotten younger. Uh, like that, that gap became more real. And one of, one of the things I realized that what that was surprising to me. We were on a, a retreat and and we were in the car and I was listening to the kids talk in the back of the van and uh, one of them was talking on their phone to their significant other. And they're in junior high. They're talking on the phone to their 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 significant other and I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is interesting. I want to focus my ear on this. I got kids. 
I want to know how this goes, right? Like I want to be really clear on what this looks like. And so I'm listening to that conversation. And, and as the conversation proceeds, it comes to a close. There's a few little nuggets I learn along the way. But then as it comes to a close, you know what I hear? I love you. Bye. Click. And I'm like, what? This kid's in junior high, and they just closed their conversation with their significant other, their bae, that, <laughs> that they love each other. And I, and, and, and I know what to do. So we got where we were going, called Lauren up on the phone. Lauren, junior high kids talking about loving each other. What's the deal? And Lauren, as she often says, she talks me off the ledge. Jason, Jason, Jason. You know, you're, you're, being, you're being you, right? And uh, which sometimes I need to hear. I really do. I need to hear, you know, calm down. It's going to be all right. And so I received that and, and just stepped back for a moment, but it stuck with me. And one of the things I, I, I then became attuned to, uh, to all of the ways that I used that phrase, I love you. And I became, I became, it became really, really like, like focused for me. And, you know, I was on a call with my best friend, DeAndre Johnson. We were talking on the phone, just, you know, catching up, whatever, whatever, got off the phone. All right, brother, love you, man. Hung up. Oh, and it just like was like, oh, you just told your best friend you love him. Hmm. And then, uh, you know, I, I was talking to my sister on the phone. My sister and I catching up, so on and so forth, talking about kid, uh, niece and nephew birthdays coming up. Next thing you know, uh, all right, Amy, love you. Bye. Hmm. I just said I love you. And then, you know, in a staff meeting one time, uh, we were sitting around the staff meeting, and I, and I was thinking about how grateful I was for the whole staff, how awesome they are, uh, how much they do in the life of the church, and the way they care for the ministries of which they're a part. And I said, I love all y'all. Huh. Look at all these ways that I'm using this phrase, I love you. Then one time, I was on the phone with, uh, with a young woman that I mentored in the ministry. She's about 10 years behind us in ministry, and she was part of the ministry that Lauren and I were, uh, were pastors of in, in Bryan College Station. And uh, by the way, I said pastors as though Lauren was a pastor there. She was not a pastor there. <laughs> uh, but we, we, were, we were there in Bryan College Station, and uh, Jenny Tencher rose up through ministry there, and we were on the phone, and we were coming to the close of a conversation, and Jenny says, I love you to me. And it was like a pause. It was like, huh. Said, I love you too. Bye. Hung up the phone, got off. And so it was like an awakening. It was like uh, maybe, you know, this junior high student that was in the back of my van that was talking to a significant other that said, I love you. Uh, maybe it, it, it's, it's real. They had no clue what like, like love of a certain type is, but maybe they were working to understand what love of another type was. Uh, over the course of the New Testament, in the Greek, the, the Greek language actually has four different words for love. Four different types of love articulated, and they're sprinkled throughout the New Testament. So it's not just that it's in Greek, but it's also in, in, in the Greek uh, origins of the New Testament for us. 
uh, some of which comes uh, in the Gospels and some of which comes in Paul's teaching. And so uh, when, we, when, we, when we process love uh, in the New Testament, we need to focus in on, well, what kind of love is being articulated? The first love uh, that, that, that you would be connected to is uh, uh, philia love, F-I-L-I-A love, philia love. Uh, you could guess what kind of love that is because it sounds like the root of a city that is in our nation, Philadelphia, which would be what kind of love? Brotherly love, right? So filial love is brotherly love. It's the kind of love that we share uh, with our friends, uh, with, with our neighbors in our community, right? So this is uh, community brotherly love, all right? Then the second kind of love uh, is the kind of love that's most commonly found uh, in the relationship uh, between a husband and wife. Uh, it's it's eros love or erotic love. It is uh, intimate love, sexual love, and that is also woven throughout uh, our scriptures, talking about that intimacy that we have one with another as husband and wife. Then the third kind of love uh, is, is less commonly spoken of in the New Testament, but it's in at least a couple of places, and it's uh, storge love, S-T-O-R-G-E, storge love. Uh, this love is, is, is somewhere in between brotherly love and, uh, and uh, the last kind of love, agape, which we'll get to in a second, uh, and it's actually most commonly found in the relationship between parents and children or siblings, literal, like, relationship, brothers and sisters. And, and this is, this is uh, the reason why it bends towards agape love is because there, there is kind of uh, a continual nature of it, that it fights through things that maybe other kinds of love uh, don't articulate for us. And then the last is agape love. Uh, there's a lot of ways to describe agape love, but I want to, to put forth a starting definition that it is divine love. Divine love. It is love that is of God. And, and if it's agape love, if it's divine love, if it's of God, then it, then it has to be unconditional, unwavering. Uh, there, there is no uh, question or doubt in it. It, it does not uh, come with any selfishness in it. It's absolutely, totally selfless. Divine love, selfless love, unconditional love. And so when we get to, to, to 1 Corinthians 13 and, and we hear this word love over and over and over again over the course of this chapter, uh, the first question we have to ask is, in the Greek, what kind of love is this? It's all agape love. All of 1 Corinthians 13 is agape love, divine love, selfless, unconditional love. How many times have you seen love that does not quite live up to the divine standard? We experience that oftentimes uh, in, in, in our relationships here on earth. Our filial love does not live up to that divine standard. Because that brotherly love, that love that connects us in community uh, can fall short of that. In us and in, and in others, in one another, we don't live up to that unconditional standard. 
even in our relationships with our parents or our kids, in our relationships with, uh, with our siblings, we have experienced brokenness there that does not reflect divine love. Even in our marriages, we don't always reflect divine love. I remember when I was a kid, I was in junior high. We lived in Wharton, Texas. Uh, we, we, I have three sisters, and so there were four of us living at home. My parents had been going through some crazy rough times, so much so that, that the kids, uh, my sisters and I were aware of it. I had gone to counseling for it, which, by the way, uh, if you've gone through that or going through that, I highly uh, recommend because it was a quite healing process for me. But... Uh, my parents' fighting was not uncommon for me uh, to witness or to hear. Uh, and and they, didn't, they, they didn't always allow it to escalate in front of the kids, but, but we could see the kind of beginnings of that escalation and we knew the trauma that they were experiencing in their marriage. And so, uh, so, so we were aware that it had to be more than just what we were seeing. But I remember one time, so we're in Wharton, and, and because I have three sisters and parsonages, uh, which are church-owned homes for pastors, uh, don't always have enough rooms. I lived in the shed off of the garage. Um, uh, it was tied to the garage, but that was my room at the time. I thought it was cool at first, but then I got scared. That's a whole different story. Um, uh, but I remember, so, so I, I lived off the garage, and on the other side of the garage was the kitchen, and then way on the other side of the house is where my sister's bedrooms were, uh, and so... We had gone to bed, and I was out in the shed, my bedroom, and, uh, and, and, and while I was there, I heard um, a conflict between my dad and my mom arise, and I heard uh, the tension in their voice, and I heard uh, the anger growing in one another, and I heard kind of some slamming of some cabinets, and I heard uh, some pounding of, of some, uh, some countertops, and then uh, I heard someone come into the garage and slam the door really hard. And it only took just a couple of moments, and then I just heard like this echoing, banging sound in the garage. And uh, although I was scared and, and, and a little intimidated, I felt compelled to figure out what was exactly was going on. But I opened the door to the shed, which led into the garage, and I saw my dad against his workstation, and he had a hammer in his hand. He was just beating this workstation, these blocks of wood, just beating them fiercely, just releasing anger and angst and frustration and brokenness. He was releasing all of his brokenness into this piece of wood that was just bouncing and flinging up off the table, and then he'd find another one and bang it again. He was weeping and sobbing, and I remember it so vividly. And, and, I, and, and I remember wondering, what kind of love is this? I mean, is this the reflection of love that husband and wife are to have for one another? This, this brokenness. And every time Lauren and I get in a fight and I get that kind of angry, I think to myself, is this the kind of love to which I've been called? Is there something more that we need to be about? And so when you have that, that false representation of what love looks like, when you, when you have that, 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 that weak imitation, that, that dim view of what love looks like that comes so far short of, 
of what God intends for us, how can you, how can you read this scripture and have any hope at all? Like, like well, how do you enter into it? And, and, and so I think that the first thing you do is you read those first three verses and you look at it and you look at what 1 Corinthians says and what Paul says and you say, oh, well, well all these things are worthless. Tongues, uh, angels, uh, all that, uh, prophetic powers, mysteries, knowledge, faith that moves mountains. All of that is nothing if you don't have love. And so at first read, if you've experienced this broken, weak image of love, you look at that and you say, wow, okay, so what I need is I need divine love. I, I, I need this fullness of love, this, this godly love, and, and, and I have to have that. I have to receive it, and it has to come into me. And so we dismiss, uh, when we take that reading, the interaction of agape love that takes place within uh, us, one and another, husbands and wives, parents and children, brothers and sisters, and community, we, we dismiss it and we say, okay, all I need is the love of God. All I need is the love of God. But I'm not sure that that gives a full and faithful reading to what Paul is articulating for us. Sure, it says, hey, if you have faith that can move mountains, it's nothing if you don't have the love of God. But what happens when you do have the love of God? What happens in you when you have the love of God? What, what, what transforms in you? What, 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 what comes from within your heart and within your soul whenever you have the love of God? Well, well the love of God that we first receive uh, also is reflected to us in Romans uh, chapter 5. Verse 8, and it shows us the love of God that, that we have in Jesus. It says, but God proves his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's, that's agape love. Romans 5, 8, agape love. God loved us unconditionally. We were sinners. We are sinners. We're broken. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all broken sinners. And even though we are broken, even though we, are, we fall short of God's high holy calling, God still loved us so much that he gave us Jesus Christ, his son. And he would die for us. So that's the love we receive that's that love that enters in. That's that love that God has provided for us if we would just open our hearts to receive it. But then what happens? It, it doesn't just stay there and, 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 become, uh, and become this selfish holding that you or I could have. We don't just receive God's love so as to hoard it for ourselves, but, but it does a transforming work inside us. You see, in Galatians 2, chapter, uh, verse 20, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it talks about this transformation. It says, uh, and it is no longer I who live, okay? We're talking about transformation now, something new happening in you. It's now no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. You see, it's his love that's living in me. Something new is there. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, when we've experienced a broken representation of love, we could come at Galatians, uh, we could come at 1 Corinthians 13 in a dismissive fashion and say, 
great, it stops with the receiving of love that I have. But that's not what God has for us. God doesn't stop with us just receiving his love. God transforms us by his love. Working from the inside out. Calling us to live an entirely new life. You see, when Paul is speaking uh, later in, in, in the, you know, if you've been to weddings, you probably uh, read the beginning of verse 8 of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, love never ends. Like that's the beautiful like pause line. I had a wedding last night and we, we stopped there. It was love never ends. Ah. Right? Like that's, so, so that might have been at your wedding. That pastor might have done that for you as well. Uh, but that's great. That's great. Fantastic. We do that in weddings. Um, but, but it doesn't stop there because, because Paul wants to continue on. He wants to talk about uh, what that transformation looks like. Right? So that all of tr- chapter 13 is in the context of that transformation. In the context of that transformation. You see, he says, he says uh, we, we begin as children. We start as children and then we grow up over the course of time. And as we grow up, there are certain ways of our childhood that then fall away. And then there are certain ways that now grow up in us as we enter into adulthood. There's a transformation that takes place from childhood to adulthood. And then, and then he gives another image. Uh, Paul wants the people of Corinth to, to really sit with him in this space and to understand what transformation looks like. So he, he says, he uses the image of a mirror. He says, whenever you start in this, whenever you begin working things in love, uh, you, you, it's like looking in a mirror dimly. So, so for me, uh, I, I have to go back to, uh, to, to some of Lauren in my first homes. Uh, they had the really, really, really tiny bathroom. Like that was the only bathroom in the house. We lived in like 650 square feet and there was one bathroom and it was really, really tiny. And so what happens in the mirror when you live in a tiny house and you have a tiny bathroom and you take a shower and you get out of the shower? The mirror fogs up, right? So, and it's so foggy that, that men, what happens whenever we have to shave? It's a little bit hard, right? Like like we're trying to wipe it off. We're trying to open the door. We want the vent on because we want the mirror to clear up. Well, well, for the people in Corinth, their image is, is much more like that for us than our conception of what a mirror is. Because for Paul... He's talking to the people in Corinth and he's saying, you see in the mirror dimly. So a mirror might have looked like this. Uh, a mirror was actually a piece of metal uh, that would have been, sh- that would have been uh, uh, rubbed and roughed as smooth as possible. Uh, and so that's an actual artifact of a mirror in the Roman Empire during Paul's day. How well do you think you will see yourself in that. Uh, I don't care how much you smooth it out. It might be a little bit concave. It might be a little bit convex. You're going to have a distortion of some sort. And as mirrors grow in imperfection, as they get the dark spots or the muted spots or the dents, the reflection will not be clear. 
So what Paul is saying is Paul is saying, brothers and sisters, this is what divine love looks like. This is what divine love you're invited into that you receive, but it transforms you and it changes the way you interact with others. But as you have faith in Christ, you are called to live in that love. You are called to now uh, be different. You might look at yourself this way and not have a clear picture. You might look at love in this way and not have a clear picture but over the course of time the more you practice agape love the more you receive agape love the more beautifully and clearly it will be offered it says you see that in a mirror dimly but then when it's fulfilled it will be like you're seeing it face to face just like i'm seeing you now and you're seeing me now. So in this season, God is calling us, each of us, to, to allow love to be revealed to us by God. An unconditional, profoundly selfless love in Jesus Christ offered to us. But God is also asking us, what kind of love am I called to reveal to those around me? May it be agape love. May you and I offer love in such a profound and divine fashion to those around us that people see the love of Jesus Christ in you that it's as though they're seeing Jesus face to face. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we do uh, celebrate the love we have in your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, it is an unbelievable offering. Uh, you give us a new commandment to love one another just as you have loved us. And that is agape love. That is unconditional love. And so we are called to it and we, we press on into our, into our daily lives to love profoundly and to love faithfully, to offer a beautiful sacrificial love to the world. We ask, oh God, that you would transform us from the inside out. Bear witness in us and through us to others. Lord, as we continue in worship, as we enter into this time of holy offering, we ask, O oh God, that you would bless this holy offering, that you would bless uh, the gift and the giver alike, that all that is given in this space and this time would bring you glory, honor, and praise, and that the work that is done through it, Lord, would uh, have a transforming effect, full of love and grace for the world. We pray all this in Jesus Christ, our Lord.